Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. Joseph is Jacob's favorite. His brothers hate him for it. Joseph dreams that he'll one day rule over them all, and his brothers finally find a way to get rid of him. Genesis 37. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the title, so if you want the entire study in writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months' worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. This is the first lesson in the Sons of Israel study. The previous study was about Isaac and his sons, and so if you missed any of that, you might want to go back and catch up. This study is mostly dealing with Joseph, but also his brothers and Jacob. If you've been listening previously, you'll know that I've had lots of sound issues and I'm really behind on my writing. And so I don't have this full study done and up for sale, but I do have the sound resolve, thankfully. And so hopefully it won't be long before I have that one done and I'll let you know whenever it's available for purchase. So today we're going to go ahead and begin by reading in Genesis 37 about Joseph and his brothers. It says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This was the history of Jacob. Now Joseph, being seventeen years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all the rest of his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him, and they couldn't speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream that I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood around and bowed down to mine. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? And so they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Then he dreamed still another dream, and he told it to his brothers and said, Look, I've dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him for it and said, What is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So we're going to stop right there and talk a little bit about what's going on. So this is 11 years after Jacob left his father-in-law's land and he was living in Hebron. And it says that his sons were out taking care of the flock and Joseph was out there with them. And apparently when they came in, he told his father something that they had done wrong while they were out there. And then it talks about this robe that Joseph made him. It says that he was his favorite and so he made him this robe. And this made all of the other brothers very jealous, obviously. 
The obvious reason that he made this for him is because he was his favorite and he wanted him to have something special. But also in doing some reading, I realized that oftentimes the firstborn would have some sort of special like royal clothing that would show that they were the firstborn and the one that would inherit all of the blessings and the possessions of their father whenever he died. And so it also may be that Jacob is showing that he wants Joseph to be the one that gets all of the firstborn rights. And if that's the case, that would be a definite reason for them to further hate him because he is not the firstborn, although he is the firstborn of Rachel, which is the wife that Jacob initially chose and the one that he loved the very most. So maybe he could justify it in that way by saying, well, he's the firstborn to my first chosen wife, but he was the 11th son. And so him and his brother were the babies. And that would have definitely been a real threat to his brothers. But either way, Jacob is showing his favoritism and not even trying to hide it. And that is causing a lot of resentment from the other brothers. And then on top of all of that, Joseph has these dreams that says that he is going to rule over his brothers. And so that makes them, you know, resent him even more. So for just a bit, we're going to try to put ourselves in each one of these people's shoes and just be thinking, who do you relate to the most? Because the thing is that really all of them have reason to feel the way that they feel. They just are reacting to all of their feelings in a very bad way. And that's just a lesson to us because oftentimes we do have reason to feel a certain way, but it doesn't mean that it gives us free license to act however we want to. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked and we can't know it. And so our feelings can deceive us and cause us to do things that we shouldn't. And that's exactly what's happened with all of these people. They all had maybe a reason to feel the way that they did, but they allowed those feelings to deceive them into thinking that it was okay to act in inappropriate ways. So let's start with the brothers. Did they have a right to be jealous of Joseph? I mean, yeah, I think that any person in their right mind would be jealous of Joseph. The problem is that they allowed that jealousy to build and grow and take on a life of its own, making them absolutely hate him. And the problem with the feeling of jealousy towards Joseph is that it wasn't Joseph's fault. Joseph could not control who his mother was any more than they could control who their mothers were. And so there's really no reason to hate Joseph. If anything, they had reason to be hurt and upset, maybe even with their dad for the way that he was treating them. But they really had no reason to hate Joseph. But they had allowed those feelings of jealousy to completely control them. Whenever we're feeling something that we know may not be exactly what we should be feeling, it's really good to know some verses about that or be able to look those verses up because God speaks to all of these feelings. And once we hear what the Bible has to say about how we feel, it's a bit of a deterrent. Listen to this verse, Proverbs 14.30. It says, A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. So if we're sitting there and we're envying someone else, and we know this verse and we're reminded of it, and we're like, but that is rottenness to my bones. 
that makes it much easier to stop being jealous of that person than it is if we were to talk to someone and they say, oh, I know that's ridiculous. I can't believe that that's going on and fuel that. And so it's best to get God's perspective on our feelings as opposed to our own or someone else's. Their envy was not going to help them in the long run. And we'll see that. Now let's take Jacob, for example. Did he have a reason to favor Joseph? I mean, I would say that there are good reasons for him to favor Joseph. One would be that he waited so long to have him. Whenever you come by something easily, it's easier to take it for granted. And when it's difficult and you have to wait and you've been wanting it for so long, then you do place a little bit more importance on it at times. And so that would make a lot of sense. It would also make sense that providing Joseph was born to the wife that he loved the very most, that he would love that person's children the very most. And here's the thing. If you haven't listened to the episodes of how Jacob got more than just Rachel as his wife, you need to go back and listen to that because this was really not his fault. He chose Rachel in the beginning to be his wife. And then when the time for the wedding came, her dad tricked him and gave him Leah, her older sister, instead. And when Jacob confronted him on it, he said, well, I'll go ahead and give you Rachel too. Just stay with Leah for at least a week by herself and then I'll give you Rachel. And so he never asked for Leah in the first place. And he wanted Rachel. He fell in love with her immediately. So it would make sense that her sons might be a little more special to him. The problem is how he's showing that, how he's being so blatant about it, and how he's not showing the love for his other sons in the same way. So let's look at a couple of verses about favoritism. The first one's found in Job 34, 19. This verse is talking about God, but it stands to reason that if God is like this and we're supposed to walk in his ways and imitate him, that we also are supposed to be the same way. And so it says, yet he is not partial to princes, nor does he regard the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. So every person is special to God because God created every single person and it should be the same to us. God made all of us and we're all important because we were created by him. Now look at James 2, 8 and 9. It says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself, then you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and you're convicted by the law as transgressors. So right there, it says that we're not supposed to show partiality to other people. So whether he felt partial to Joseph or not, he was sinning by showing that partiality. And you see all of the problems that it caused. If he would not have treated Joseph like he was special, like he was more important than the other brothers, if he would not have treated those brothers as if they were not important in relation to Joseph, then very possibly they would have had no issues with him. This was all initiated by Jacob. Now, in saying that, it does seem that Joseph did not make things easier, you know, by him coming home and telling on his brothers, telling his dad things that his brothers have done wrong. And then also by telling them these dreams, he may not have known how to make out these dreams and he may have just needed to share it 
Maybe he wanted his brothers to feel like he was important or see that God thought he was important. I'm not really sure why he would share something like that with his brothers, but he did. And that definitely didn't help his case. And so let's look at a couple of verses about discretion, because really it would have been helpful if he would have been a little more discreet. So let's look at Proverbs 10, 19. It says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. And so really Joseph should have restrained his lips, right? He should have just kept that to himself. But instead, he spoke a multitude of words and that caused lots of problems. So that's one lesson that we can learn. A lot of times we look smarter if we just keep our mouths shut. Now look at Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. It says, He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace, but when he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. So again, pretty much the same thing. We look smarter whenever we keep our mouths shut oftentimes. Proverbs twenty nine eleven: A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. So maybe Joseph was feeling important or whatever, and he was trying to show that to his brothers. But again, he would have been wise just to hold that back. Last one, Proverbs eleven twenty two: As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. So that deters you, right? If you are trying to look lovely, but when you lack discretion, you look like a pig with a ring in its nose. This is why it's good to know verses, because you can remind yourself, hey, this is what I actually look like. Okay, then listen to these verses. They cover all of the people in different ways. So this is Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing others in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So do you see all the things that we're supposed to put on? Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with each other, forgiving each other, loving each other, being at peace with one another. I mean, they all could have learned some of these things, right? been kinder, more humble, bared with each other, loved each other, forgiven each other. Now look at Galatians 5, 22. These are the fruits of the Spirit, the things that we produce if we have the Spirit of God living within us. It says, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have suffered the flesh with its passions and desires, and if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 
So that's what Joseph could have done is become a little conceited and provoked others to envy him. But then again, they also should have loved him, should have been at peace with him, should have bared with him, been kind, been good, been faithful, been gentle. They definitely should have exercised some self-control. Whenever we are walking with God, then we are supposed to have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and lived and walked in the spirit. The more we are with Jesus and walking with him, then the easier it is for us to set aside our own passions and desires and live according to the way he does, which is what this is saying here. So all of them have acted in ways that are wrong, right? It's not, again, that any of them necessarily had wrong feelings, but when we allow ourselves to dwell on those feelings or act in an improper way because of those feelings, that's where the problem lies. And we're going to talk a little bit further about that, especially with the brothers, because they've allowed their feelings to completely override them. So let's go ahead and read the rest of this chapter and see what happens with the brothers and Joseph now that we have this setup of how Joseph is the favorite and he's kind of telling them these dreams and their jealousy is growing. Beginning in verse 12, it says, Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And so Joseph said, here I am. And Jacob said, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him saying, what are you seeking? And so he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flock. And the man said, They've departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we'll say that a wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams then. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and he said, Let us not kill him. Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring them back to his father. So it came to pass, when Joseph came to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into the pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. And then they lifted their eyes and looked. And there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we shall kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit. And he tore his clothes, and he returned to his brothers, and he said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? 
So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. And then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. Okay, so that was quite a bit of reading. But notice at the start of it in verse 12, it says that Jacob has sent Joseph out to check on his brothers. Now Shechem was about 50 miles north of Hebron where they were living at the moment. So he was sending Joseph 50 miles to go check on his brothers which makes sense that he would want him to check on them and and see how they were doing. But also it's odd that Joseph wasn't with them. It makes you wonder, you know, was he just too special to go out and work for him? Or had they just gotten in this habit? You know, a lot of times we do this with our younger ones, right? Because they're not old enough at the time to go out with their brothers and sisters and do these things. And we get this habit of, well, they can't go out and do all of that, but we'll send them out periodically to check on them and whatever. But we don't really think that they need to be out there all of that time without us. And then you just kind of quit realizing that they're old enough to go out because that you've been doing it so long. So maybe that's the case. I don't really know why it is. Joseph did go out and work with the brothers at the beginning of 36. He was working with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. So he did go out and work with them sometimes. But remember that he had sent a bad report back to his father about them at that time. And so how do you think that his brothers, after their dad has made him this beautiful coat and he's told them about their dreams and he's told on them to their father. How do you think that they must feel whenever he comes to them? They're probably not going to be receptive. And why Jacob isn't quite aware of that, I'm not really sure, because you would think that Jacob and Joseph would see the way that their actions were affecting the brothers, but maybe they're just too self-absorbed or maybe the brothers are hiding it well. I don't really know. But either way, he does send him to check on them. And then when he gets to Shechem, he realizes, well, they've already moved on from there. And they're already in a town called Dotham, which is about 15 miles further. So he has had to travel 65 miles to get to his brothers, which is a good distance on foot for sure. Several days. And his brothers see him before he ever gets even close to them, which that coat being full of all of those colors, it would be very easy to see him from far off. And it would also be very easy to distinguish him from any other person because no one else has a coat like that. So they were able to see him from far away and that gave them time to devise a plan. And so this is kind of where we stop and just talk a little bit about how they have allowed their jealousy just to build into full-blown hatred. And this is hatred that's strong enough to kill. And so that is the danger of dwelling on our feelings, especially whenever, like we said earlier, Jeremiah tells us that our heart is deceitful above all things. And apparently their hearts deceived them into thinking that 
he somehow deserved all of their hatred and even the fact that they could kill him. And so this is the danger of sitting and dwelling on our feelings, sitting and thinking about those things. Yes, they may have had good reason to feel the way that they did, but that's why we have to look in the Bible and know what it says and know that just because we may have a right to feel that way doesn't mean that it benefits us. It doesn't mean that it's good for us or others because those thoughts, sitting and dwelling on those thoughts, then we can have things build upon one thing and then another until it brings us to do something that we never thought we would do. And that's where these brothers are right now. They have been so jealous for so long and they've allowed that jealousy to build. And now they hate him bad enough that they could killing. And whenever they all decide this, thankfully, Reuben distinguishes himself from the others by attempting to save his brother's life. Now, we'll talk a little bit later about maybe Reuben could have gone about it in a different way, but he thinks that he's doing the right thing. And so as opposed to telling his brothers, hey, that's not a good idea to do. He's like, uh, it's, well, let's not kill him. Let's just leave him there to die. That'd be better. You know, maybe that eases their consciences a bit. So it's not their hands aren't actually killing him, right? They're just leaving him there and then he'll probably starve to death. But at least they didn't actually kill him themselves. And so he can persuade them by using that argument. And then he's going to go back behind them and he's going to get Joseph out of the pit and rescue him. That's his plan. Now, Reuben deserves quite a bit of credit here. We're not exactly sure what motivated him above all the others. Hopefully, it was just that, you know, he cared about doing the right thing. He loved his brother. He loved his father. He didn't want to do these things. He also could have been trying to redeem himself because if you remember a couple of lessons back that after Joseph's mother died, then he ended up sleeping with her maidservant, Bilhah, which was actually two of his brother's mom. And so maybe he's trying to fix this problem. But it's odd that it was him because he is actually the person that has the most to lose if Jacob's dreams end up coming true. If Jacob's dreams come true and he does end up ruling over all of them, well, that's actually Reuben's job, right? Reuben is the oldest and he's supposed to be the one that does rule over his family once his father is gone. And if Joseph's dreams come true, then he's taking his spot. And so he would have the most to gain by killing Joseph or even leaving him in that pit to die. But he wasn't going to do that. And so he deserves a lot of credit for knowing the right thing and doing the right thing and caring about his family enough not to do something like that. And so he's persuaded his brothers and I guess eased their consciences just a little bit by letting them know we shouldn't do this thing of killing him. But obviously they were not too disturbed by what they had done because this is later on and we're not going to give away too much of the story. So we're only going to read one verse. This is Genesis 42, 21. This is actually his brothers talking about whenever they did this to him and they said, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we wouldn't hear. And therefore, this is why this distress has come upon us. So Joseph pleaded with them for his life, and they didn't seem to care. Look what they did after they threw him in the pit. Look in Genesis 37, 24. 
Then they took him and they cast him into the pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And then the very next verse, and they sat down to eat a meal like nothing had happened. He's in anguish pleading for his life and they are just sitting down eating some food like nothing happened. They are completely heartless and indifferent at this point. That is what their hatred has led them to. So first they're jealous and that jealousy turns to hatred and that hatred causes them to completely have no feeling towards the things that they're doing. This is obviously never a place that we want to be. And so I just want to read you a couple of verses because these verses tell us that we can get to this place. We can get to a place where we are just callous and indifferent completely heartless. And so the first one is found in Ephesians 4.19. Let's read 17 to 19. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened and being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's these brothers, right? They are past feeling it, and they've given themselves over to lewdness to work uncleanness with greediness. And because of the blindness of their hearts, they've allowed themselves to be completely past feeling. That is a place that we do not want to be. That's why we have to stop our feelings before they grow into something so horrible that we don't even care anymore. Listen to 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. It's just burned away. It's gone. It's completely gone. This, again, is not a place we want to be, right? We do not want to be in a position where we can't be convicted of our sin. We don't care anymore. Both of these say whenever you're apart from God that these types of things happen. And so we just have to continue to check our thoughts and feelings with the Word of God so that we can keep them where they need to be and not allow them to grow into a place where we're past feeling, where we're doing unbelievable things, things that we would have never thought to do ever before. But that's where these brothers are at. And so they sell him to these merchants as they are going by. Now, I want to make note real quickly that in part of this, it calls them Ishmaelites. In part of the place, it calls them Midianites. And if you'll remember, the Ishmaelites are from the tribe of Ishmael. And Ishmael was the first son of Abraham. But he was not the son that God had promised to Abraham and Sarah. He was the son that they had decided to have through the maidservant Hagar because Sarah was unable to have any children. And so he was the son that was outside of the promise. And Midian was another son of Abraham's, and he was born to Abraham's wife, Keturah, that he took after Sarah died. So both of these are children of Abraham, but they're outside of the promised son, Isaac. Remember, God promised Isaac to Sarah and Abraham, and then Isaac had Jacob and Esau, 
and the promise of the promised land and all of the blessings and all of that went through Jacob. And these are Jacob's sons. So basically, these are the other two sons of Abraham, and they also inherit land. It just doesn't happen to be the same piece of land that Jacob's family inherits. And so most likely, they lived so close together that they were just indistinguishable. They were one in the same to everyone else because the Midianites and Ishmaelites just lived together and probably intermarried, whatever. And so they used their names interchangeably because they all lived in the same area and were both Abraham's children. It's not a contradiction in the Bible that it was the Midianites. No, it's the Ishmaelites. Nobody knows. They're just basically used interchangeably. And so they sold him for eight ounces of silver to these people. And then whenever these people got to Egypt, they sold him to a man named Potiphar, who was the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And so we'll talk further about that later. But that's the journey of Joseph to Egypt. But after they sold him, Reuben comes back and sees that they've done this while he's apparently been away. And he is distraught. He doesn't know what to think. He's so upset. But he still went along with the cover-up when they went to their dad. Because what they did is they killed a kid goat and then they put the blood on that coat. And they took it to their dad and said, hey, we found this coat. It looks like your son's. Do you think it's your son's? And he's like, yeah, it is. He must have been killed by a wild animal. And since they didn't find his body, He assumes he was just, you know, torn completely up by this animal. And he goes along with this. Reuben goes ahead and goes along with this. And so you have to wonder why he did that. I guess he had to keep up, you know, the facade with his brothers because he never told his brothers that he was going to bring them back. He always just said, you know, well, let's just not kill him. And they hadn't killed him. So he would have to go to his brothers and say, man, I intended to go rescue him. And y'all have done this horrible thing. And then hope that his brothers wouldn't want to do something like that to him, I guess. And, you know, maybe he didn't want to go back to his dad and say, hey, I had this plan and it didn't work and I wasn't able to fulfill it. Then he looks like a failure. You know, we're not really sure why, but you just have to wonder if he regrets not just standing up to his brothers in the first place and saying, hey, you know, like this is a bad idea. Not just it's a bad idea to kill him, but it's sort of a bad idea to do anything like this to him because it's not his fault. He hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah, it's upsetting the way that our dad is treating us and the way that he's treating him in comparison, but it's not his fault. And this is a horrible thing that y'all are thinking to do, not something that we should be doing at all. Listen to Exodus 23, 2. It says, You should not follow a crowd to do evil, nor should you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. And so that's what he did. He followed the crowd to do evil, even though he was really trying not to. He didn't prevent it and pretended to go along with it. And so by pretending to go along, he actually ended up going along with them. That's not something that we need to be doing. We need to be making sure that we're doing what's right and giving that appearance all the time to all people. And the thing is, what if you have this plan like Reuben did to do these things and then it doesn't work out? Then, you know, it's much better to just go ahead and be upfront about it. 
And then notice it doesn't really benefit them anyway, right? I mean, they're trying to get rid of him because they're jealous of how their father treats him. But the problem is, is that this just makes the father miss him more. The father's so focused on him even more than he was before. He says that he's going to go down to his grave mourning for Joseph. He's like, you can't comfort me. There's nothing that's going to make me stop being sad about him. My focus is completely, totally on him now. So they didn't even accomplish their goal. They didn't even help themselves. Listen to Job 5.12. It says, God frustrates the devices of the crafty so that their hands can't carry out their plans. They weren't even able to fulfill their goal because God didn't allow it. God didn't allow them to get away with what they were doing. Didn't even allow them to have satisfaction for it. Reuben's plan to go back and get him was frustrated. And their plan to make their dad love them the same as they did Joseph, it was also frustrated. Listen to Job thirty-three twenty-seven. It says, Then he looks at men and says, I have sinned and perverted what was right, and it didn't profit me. So this person is saying that they've sinned and they didn't do what was right and it didn't even profit them. And that's exactly what happened to these. These guys sinned and it didn't even benefit them because now their dad is missing him and thinking of him more than ever. Listen to Proverbs 13, 21. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous, good shall be repaid. So if we're doing evil things, then evil's going to pursue us. But if we're doing right things, then we'll be repaid with goodness. And Reuben should have done that. Reuben should have just done what's right so that God could repay him with goodness. But instead, he went along with the crowd trying to appease everyone and ended up not fixing anything. So that's just a lesson to us that we need to stand up for what's right and not go along with the crowd or try to appease the crowd. Now, I'm not saying be confrontational and cause problems. I'm just saying when other people are doing things that are wrong, we can't go along with those things. We have to stand up. Now, the last thing I want to point out just as a little bit of information is that do you notice how it says all of his sons and all of his daughters tried to comfort him? So remember how we had talked before about how he probably had other daughters than Dinah. Dinah was the only one that was mentioned because girls weren't generally mentioned in the genealogy unless they had some benefit to a later narrative. And this just proves that that's true because he did have other daughters or it wouldn't have said all his daughters. So that's just a little bit of information that we learn as we go that we might not see. If all we do is just read one passage and we don't read the Bible as a whole, then sometimes we don't know the full story. And this just gives us a little bit more to the story. So anyway, I wanted to point that out. So lesson for us today is, you know, showing favorites is obviously bad and it causes lots of problems. He's pitted his children against each other and caused this jealousy. And because the brothers have been dwelling on their jealousy, then it's built into full-blown hatred that, you know, they were willing to kill. So we just have to be careful of all of these feelings and also being humble and discreet as it seemed that Joseph may not have been. All of these feelings can lead to big problems. And so we just have to pay attention to them. Favoritism, jealousy, hatred, humility, 
discretion. Everybody reacted wrong to their feelings and because of it, all kinds of problems were caused in their family. So we just have to be careful of those things. And if you can relate to any of those things, then just make note of the verses that you need to remind yourself of whenever you're having those feelings so that you can go back and remind yourself what the Word of God says whenever you might not be able to get past what you're thinking and feeling. So that's all we have for today. Next week, we're going to take a quick detour and talk about Judah and what happens to him after Joseph is sold. And then we'll get right back into the life of Joseph. So make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss that episode. And make sure you leave me a five-star review wherever you're listening. Leave comments. I'd love to hear from you. Also, you can email me. My email address is Courtney at livethroughjesus.com. I hope you're enjoying these lessons and I'll do my best to get you a written lesson soon. Thanks and have a good day.